two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. And that's a win, baby! Welcome back, Husker fans, to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcasts where we do our best to be sweet, but at times, we can be salty. I'm your really happy and salty host, Ken. (laughs) And I am your indifferent host, Scott. I know, it was only Fordham, right? But it was a win, and there were 86,000 people in Memorial Stadium that got to see it, including over 2,000 underprivileged families, which I thought was really cool to preserve the sellout, making sure people get to a game that have never been to one, I thought was absolutely awesome. Nebraska got the big win at 52-7, to and by God, anybody that bet Nebraska is happy because they covered the 40-point spread. So that was pretty cool. Uh, But, of course, there were other games going on that day, and once that game was over, I was actually behind the wheel driving. I didn't catch a whole lot of went on in the top 25, but you did, Scott. So I think you've got some notes here about what happened in the top 25. Yes. So this week was an interesting week for week one. Uh, I feel like as the college football seasons have progressed, especially since the college football playoff implementation we have seen a lot more uh, interesting and exciting top 25 matchups out of week one, two, and three. Um, To start off on Thursday night, we had number four OSU at Minnesota. And I watched a good majority of that game. That was an exciting game to watch. Minnesota looked stout. They looked really good on offense, and their defense seemed to have held Ohio State down for a little bit. But, of course, Ohio State's receiving core was just too much for them to handle, and they ended up losing 45-31 to in that game. On Friday night, I watched a little bit of the game uh, with, with Virginia Tech beating number 10 North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina just looked really bad. I forgot to write down the score in my notes, but it just it, North Carolina just looked pretty bad. So um, their preseason ranking, I don't know what that was accounting for um, other than uh, that they have a really good coach. But yes, and then moving forward, first game that I watched on Saturday was uh, number two OSU surviving against Tulane. Um, it looked like OU had it pretty much squared away after the end of the first half, mm-hmm. even though Spencer Rattler kind of looked not all that well with two interceptions. Um, I, I'm not actually familiar with when he got those interceptions. I I would be I would I would bet that they were actually in the second half, but um, survived against them, forty to thirty five. <clears throat> which honestly gives me a little bit of a little bit more hope when they come rolling into well when we come rolling into town because um, they only play Western Carolina before us so 
who knows? Who knows how that'll play out? But then another exciting game was uh, Penn State beating uh, Wisconsin at Camp Randall 16-10, to which was uh, just a wonderful game to watch. Penn State's defense just looked great. Graham Mertz looked like a bag of and we'll just kind of see how the rest of the season plays out for Wisconsin. A Once giant again, bag of <laughs> yes, a bunch of cheeks just clapping together, um, smelling like sweaty underwear. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of a messy game between the two of them, but ultimately Penn State uh, right. pulled it off. And um, yeah, it's good to see that Penn State is doing good. Um, yeah, so then we roll into uh, number 18, Iowa, stuffing in number 17, Indiana, beating them 34-6, to which I don't know if you guys saw this. It was in the news, but the running back, one of the running backs for Indiana on his jersey had a misprint, and it was misprinted with the spelling Indinia. <laughs> and I just thought that was amusing. Um, so yeah, they beat them 34 to six. That was an exciting game to watch. Iowa looks good. Um, Spencer, Spencer, or Spencer, Spencer Petrus. No, I, th- I think I'm getting, yeah, he, he looked okay. He looked pretty good. What little I saw. Is his name Spencer? I might, I'm getting this. I'm I not think sure it's if I'm Spencer Petrus. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets me mixed up with, uh, with Rattler. So, um, yeah, yeah, Iowa looks good. Iowa looks good, but we don't know for sure. Maybe Indiana's just bad. But yeah, so then, uh, yeah, moving forward, number seven, Iowa State survives an upset against Northern Iowa, winning 16-10. to 10. Um, I only watched highlights of the game, and it just looked bad. Um, but once again, first right. game jitters. This is really just week one, so everybody gets gets to get out their bad games now. But then we move forward to number five, Georgia, beating number three, Clemson, ten to three in an all defensive showdown. Um, Holy dad, cow. like that was just an, an incredible game. That was that incredible. Georgia defense was sick. Yeah, they were they were locked down just when you just when you thought that Georgia or Clemson were going to go down and score, the defense would show up with a with a clutch sack or a great bat down in the secondary or just a yeah just a stout defensive performance all around. Um, so yeah, uh, yep. Georgia beats number three Clemson ten to three, um, and then upset of upset. I guess two upsets, but this one definitely wins upset of the week, which is Montana upsets number 20, Washington, being the seventh FCS opponent to beat an FBS team in weeks zero and one. Um, It was just crazy. Washington looked like shit, Um, but Montana has a good team. I mean, that's where Samari Torre came from, Um, and they just they just showed up and they and and they played a good they played a clean game that's that's all that's all that's all that can be said they played a great game and yep. beat washington and then last upset and last game that i want to browse over here would be that unranked ucla beats number 16 lsu 38 to 27 and i'm actually happy for ucla in a weird way um ah shoot i'm gonna have to look up their coach right now it's blanking on me chip kelly um chip, chip kelly. kelly yeah he's had a rough a rough start as their head coach um 
I think he's played five seasons. Um, let's Might see. Maybe his fifth or his UCLA. fourth year. I can't remember. I think he was hired the same year Frost was. Yes. that's. Oh, yeah, because I think that those were two really good hires. Um, mm-hmm. Frost mentor That on happened in the same year. Um, and he's had he's oh yeah it is his it's his it's his fourth season. I don't know if he, you watched any of it. I did, I did. I watched I watched quite a bit of it mm-hmm. um, laying on the couch yesterday. Um, yes. Yeah, so, did you notice how often his quarterback was not in the shotgun? <laughs> uh, no, no, I wasn't paying attention to that kind of nuance. Chip Kelly has uh, morphed his offense a little bit. Good. Yeah, he's morphed his offense a little bit. He's still running a lot of the same plays like we're running, but his quarterback's up under center now a lot more of the time, and there's a lot more power sets and things like that. And it just, it was a great offense. What what little I could see, it was a great offense to watch. Yes, it was. It was they they just put it all together. They just put it all together. Um, and yeah, I mean he's he's gone. 11 and 21 as head coach, which is very similar to Frost stats. Um, and I've honestly been rooting for the guy because UCLA has a lot of local talent in the area. They're like USC. They can get high three-star and four-star players. So why they haven't been successful in the last four seasons has just, you know, it's beyond me. I have no idea. But like you said, one of the contributing factors to their success is that Chip Kelly has shifted his um, his offensive schemes and they've got some good guys on their defense. Um, so, yeah, and then that just puts Ed Orgeron just nicely fixated on the hot seat at this point. But I think it could be. Yep, I think he could be. No doubt about it. So that's what happened elsewhere in college football. But what happened in Memorial Stadium on Saturday was Nebraska hung 52 on Fordham after only scoring seven in the first quarter, which eternally frustrated me because on the first drive, Martinez was quite inconsistent. Um, He did target Torre, and I believe he had a catch or two. And Irvin was just meh. He had, I think, seven rushes for 16 yards or something like that for the entire game. I think I've got that stat down below here in a little bit, but, uh, and that was the first drive. Then they had to punt, which never would have thought we'd had to punt on the first series against freaking Fordham. Quentin Newsom had a big sack then on Fordham's initial drive, but they ended up driving still, but then Doman got that interception, which saved our can saved our bacon. The interior O-line was struggling with the runs going up the middle at first. And if you listen to the press conference at the end with Adrian Martinez after the game, he talked about, kind of referred to that and the fact that he and the offensive lineman kind of got into each other's faces early in the game Mm -hmm. and got on each other. And it seemed like it really made a difference. Uh, Allen had two really nice plays for first downs on the identical play, two identical plays in a row. It was a fake to the back and then a swing pass out to Allen, and he turns it up for like 18, 20 yards on the first play, and then he got another first down on the next very next play on the same play. Um, and then we started using the running back inside the 20, and then um, which I've been waiting to see us be able to do that. And uh, Adrian scores the first touchdown, so Nebraska goes up. Two to no, or seven to nothing. Defense gets a three and out. Uh, 
offense also goes a three and out. Manning had a perfect pass thrown to him that he just couldn't haul in that would have kept the drive going. Couldn't get open deep on a dude that's like five foot ten. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like, oh, Lord Almighty. Anyway, um, the defense started to look a little bit uh, shaky on their next drive. We They looked a little bit, uh, the defensive line just wasn't getting there. Feldarius Payne was nowhere to be found in this game. Yeah. Um, I made a note, the black shirts kind of going into the second quarter. I'm like, so far the black shirts kind of suck today. Uh, and then they get their only touchdown right at the beginning of the second quarter. We gave up a lot of big plays, but I think that kind of got stopped here about midway through the second quarter. Uh, Touré got a good gain on our first on our next series on an option pitch, which was weird because he got three of those on this game, and it was weird simply because it looked so different from the option that Scott Frost used to run when he was a quarterback. Yeah, it was very spread out. Yeah, it wasn't played in a phone booth. It was like a 15, 20-yard pitch all the way out to Torre. <laughs> and they had nothing to do. They they couldn't do anything to stop it because everybody was spread out across the field. Uh, the run game, though, uh, he did hit Manning on a deep pass then, shortly after that play. But then the run game was just awful. The drive stalls. And Culp kicks field goal. Hey, and this is the other good positive thing about this um, game is most of the kickoffs went through the end zone. And Culp did not miss an extra point, and he nailed a field goal without even thinking about it. So we kicked off through the end zone. They had a pretty good run on first down after that. And then we blocked a field goal by Dismuke. So Markell had a good game. Uh, defense was good. Special teams was, I'd give it a C overall for the day, because I think Cherney only had to punt once, <laughs> so he couldn't screw it up too bad. And a nice toss to Touré on the next drive. We had two great runs by Step. He kind of, in my opinion, should be running back one now because he was the guy that actually made stuff happen when he got the ball, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. First penalty on the game of the game was on Manning in the second quarter inside the five-yard line, and then Adrian ends up running in the touchdown anyway, so it didn't matter. I believe it was right after did another option pitch to Touré, and he almost scored. Um, so it was 17 to seven pass D was not real good on the next series for Fordham. Uh, but we got good pressure forced a high throw to wide open receiver. And then Deontay Williams got his first interception. Um, Torrey got his big catch. Then that 31 yarder that you've been talking about as we got onto mm-hmm. the, onto the video chat here, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, he's got two big catches. He's almost to a hundred yards at this point in the game. And Adrian was really getting into a rhythm. He runs inside the one, and then Savion's in the game, and he gets to go in for the touchdown. So it was a really good two-minute offense. No missed extra points. All kickoffs were through the end zone at that point in the game, and it was 24-7 Nebraska at halftime. you have any notes on the first half that you'd like to throw in there that maybe I missed? Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things that I noted in the first quarter, it was about – it was only about three minutes into the game, and Martinez misses a huge passing opportunity to Wyatt Lever. That would have been a touchdown, or at least down on the two or the one yard line, because he threw it wide. I want to say wide left, but just not anywhere near where Wyatt was able to get the ball. And those are just one of those fresh. If I remember right, he needed to put some air under it. Yes, yes. If he would have, if he would have put some more air into it and hit in the end zone where Wyatt's uh, like route was was heading to, 
um, it would have just went right in the bread basket. And so long as, you know, Lever actually catches it. Um, so that was, that was frustrating. And I agree with your, with your take in the first quarter. I just thought that our, both of our lines, offensive and defensive line, were just lackluster and boring to watch. Yeah. And we didn't seem to get any push on our offensive line to open up open up uh, running lanes for our running backs, even though I also do agree with you with, uh, with Gabe Irvin that I wasn't very impressed with him in the first half altogether. Um, but maybe if our offensive line would have pushed some more holes and lanes for him to run through, it would have been a little bit better. But yeah, I was also not very impressed with our linebacker core and our secondary there were just too many holes that their that uh, Fordham's wide receiving core was able to exploit, and their quarterback uh, Demorat, Dem- Demorat, yeah, Demorat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I- I'll give that kid. I'll give that kid credit. He made some really, really good decisions throughout the game and, and seized opportunities when they presented themselves. Um, and then one thing that I would highlight is that one-handed catch, that twenty-five yard catch by that was sick. Dequise Carter. <laughs> that was that was awesome. I had no I wasn't even mad. I was just like, damn, bro. Like that That's a play. That was, that was athletic. Yeah, yep. that was a play. Um I was uh I was thrilled to see uh Jojo Doman make that interception, um, especially because it was deflected off of the receiver's hand and Doman was right there to make the play and made it happen. Um I liked Martinez's little scoot move that he made. We had about four minutes left in the first quarter, and uh, there was a spy that was spying Martinez when they went to do a quarterback uh, draw into the end zone for a touchdown. And yeah. Martinez just did a little scoot back and got the touchdown. And I just, those are just one of those Martinez athleticism moments that you're like, all right, good, good for you, Martinez. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, the other the the one other thing that I had just on the defensive side was that we were pressuring the quarterback a lot of the time, um, but we still only got one sack from Quentin Newsom. And I, one of the weird things that I noticed was that we would get pressure, and I don't know what was happening. I don't know if our defensive line had their shoelaces untied all the time, but there were so many plays that I was witnessing where we would get past their offensive line, and then we would just fall. We just fall down, and, and it was just so confusing to watch because we would. It was almost like we were getting ahead of ourselves, and we were just falling over out of excitement that we were getting past their offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Um, Holy cow, I'm here. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, watching those option plays were nice to see. Um, like you said, it was very spread out, like a very spread out type of option style. And it's worrisome to see that, but their execution of it was was formidable. Um, yeah, Omar Manning looked good. I mean, I just threw the whole game. I had three catches for 54 yards yes. and each one of those, each one of those catches were important. Yep. Uh, they were big ones. And yeah, Colt had a good looking 35 or 39 yard field goal in the second quarter. And yeah, no missed extra points. Colt had a really good game. Um, so that's just kind of 
how I how I witnessed the first half. Disclaimer, I wasn't able to watch the game very well because I'm on call and I'm on call right now and I could receive a call at any moment, knock on wood. Um, so this this recording might get interrupted at, at, a, at a certain point, but I was uh, basically hunched over working on a clogged uh, floor drain and working on an air conditioner while trying to watch the game. And, uh, so I didn't really get to see much of it. And then I checked YouTube to see if they had the full game highlights. Um, well, just the full game, they didn't have the full game, but they did have a, there was a 23 minute, uh, game highlights reel that, uh, gentleman posted on, on YouTube. So basically all of my impression was whatever I was able to pick up at my phone where I was streaming the, uh, the football game, you know, yay. Yay, the times that we live in where I'm able to just watch the game on my phone yes. through YouTube TV and one of, the, uh, residents that I, one of the residents that I was uh, – the when I was working on the floor drain, the residence apartment that I was at, uh, she was nice enough to uh, play the game on the TV for me. Oh, cool. Um, she's, re- she's really cool. Um, I've done a few work orders for her before and so she was, <laughs> she was happy to see me but um, yeah, it was – it was just very nice to be able to watch the game mm-hmm. little bits here and there. But um, yeah, so all of my notes are, are essentially whatever I could whatever I could scrounge up. But that's pretty much my uh, my first half impression. Already. Um, yeah, let's get to the third quarter. Uh, starts off with, of course, the Huskers on defense since. Fordham won the caught toss, and they deferred to the second half. It starts off with a huge stop on third down by Doman. Uh, the huge the crowd was really loud, caused a false start, uh, and eventually Fordham ended up having to punt. And then, yeah, <laughs> Cam Taylor Britt does what Cam Taylor Britt does, which is not quite doing what he should do. Uh, it was a weird bounce, I know, on that punt. It, it had was a weird, a weird bounce, bounce, but. They're coached, should be coached. If it's at all possible, catch the damn ball. There was he was two and a half yards away from where the ball came down. There was no reason he doesn't catch it, even if it's out of bounds. I mean, if it's that close, you catch it, even if it's going to be out of bounds. Um, and I'm just wondering where's the accountability. Uh, but apparently there was some because he never came back out to catch another punt for the rest of the game. It was uh, Brody Belt because. I think there's a reason why there weren't too many explosive plays on Saturday, and that's the fact that Oliver Martin was not playing, and he's kind of our deep threat at this point. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the crowd noise then on third down also caused a timeout, not just a false start. So they were pretty good. They went for it on fourth down and uh, on their next possession, I believe, and that was Deontay Williams's second interception. Oh, yeah, it would have been their next possession. It was after uh, CTB screwed up. <laughs> so um, Step started in the second second half. I noticed that right away. He's the first running back that ran out at the beginning of the second half. He had a good bit of his yep. yards in the second half against that worn-out um, Fordham defense. They were getting tired. He had a nice toss. Martinez did to Manning down to the 26 of Fordham. <laughs> Funny, I wrote, wrote the name of the school as FU, <laughs> Fordham University. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little weird. Every time I write that, I giggle like a school kid because, you know, that's what you do. Um, and then we uh, Martinez got his only touchdown pass 
to the NCAA all-name team member, Chancellor Brewington. How cool is that? What a cool freaking name. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a perfect throw right to the back corner of the end zone, and Brewington made a really nice catch on it. Uh, so 31-7, Nebraska. Uh, the next defensive series was a three and out with a great tackle by Reimer in space as he got through. Uh, as you were saying about the first half, it seemed like the linebackers were struggling a little bit in the first bat- half, especially with filling gaps. They didn't struggle at all in the second half. Uh, Reimer made some good plays. Kolarovic made some really good plays. Um, and then once the number twos got in there, I noticed that uh, Edova Malga Clements had a, had himself a pretty good second half with four or five tackles. So let's see the second possession by the offense. I was surprised Step wasn't out there because he was on fire at that point. We went on fourth down, but we had to call a timeout. Torre was wide open then over the middle, and then that was when Torre scored his touchdown on an option pitch. Go figure, the first touchdown Torre would score is going to be on a on an option <laughs> pitch, but. Uh, he had eight catches for 133 yards and three op- option pitches and a touchdown for, I think, a total of like 35 yards in rushing. So, yeah, I think Torre is the embodiment of the new version of the Huskar. I think that slot guy, that playmaker in that in that spot that can also run the ball a little bit, is going to be a little bit bigger dude with a lot of speed. So 38 nothing Nebraska. D ends up with black shirts, force a three and out. And Martinez, at that point, is out of the game, finishes the day with 254 yards passing and goes over 6,000 yards passing for his career against Fordham. Um, Smothers comes in, throws immediately throws low to Manning. <laughs> He's six foot five, dude. You don't have to throw it to his feet. <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, and then Ramirez was also in at running back. The number two offense actually looked pretty good. And I kind of made a note to myself, I'm like, Gosh, it would have been really nice to see Logan come out with the starters just to see what he could do with that number one offense. But the offensive coaches had enough confidence in him to go for it on fourth down. We got the first. Um, and like I said, the O-line and Ramirez were really effective against the worn-out Fordham defense at that point. And that's the 11-yard pass to Lante Brown happens right around here where he makes that weird uh, yes. Jump back, jump to the side, made two dudes look stupid. It was just, it was sick. It was a sick move. I loved it. And it was a really good throw by Smothers, too. Uh, and then he looked really effortless on an option play, uh, running, got eight yards so easily. Um, and I think it looked a lot like some of the plays that Martinez had with uh, Torre, where he actually pitched it when he could have run, and, and uh, Smothers chose to run. Um, so that was pretty cool. End of the third quarter then. Nebraska's up 38-7. to Do you have any notes specifically on the third quarter that I may, may have missed? Um, yeah, there was one uh, re- reception by Omar Manning that I it, – it wasn't all that like razzle-dazzle or anything, but he caught a 19-yard pass, and when he dropped his shoulder to take the hit, he looked like the physical receiver we thought he was. Um, oh, okay. Dragged like – yeah, he dragged like two defenders with him another two yards. Um, and that was one of those Manning moments that I'm like, that's the Omar Manning that I was hoping to see, which is a, a receiver that can catch a ball and then get a few more yards just from yep. straight physicality. 
Um, yeah. Yes, I I was amused by the uh, the Chancellor Brewington touchdown catch because if somebody would have told me before the game that the only receiving touchdown that we would have gotten was from Chancellor Brewington, I would have thought like that's the most Nebraska thing I've ever heard. Um, well, not even to, the poor announcers on that, TV couldn't figure out who the hell it was. They had to look on their yeah. Seat. They had like a. They had like a four second pause. They're like touchdown by looking through notes, looking through notes. <laughs> Chancellor Brewington. Chancellor Brewington. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, um, I mean he's not he's not anybody that you should reckon with. I mean he's he was a he was a top seven hundred and fifty recruit out of high school, six foot three wide receiver that transferred from Northern Arizona, and for good reason because he was a he was a formidable player when he played at Northern Arizona, and I think yeah. that he could. Just like uh, Samari Torre, you know, like, let's go take my talent somewhere where um, I could possibly get highlighted more. And so that was mm-hmm. I was I was happy to see that. I know that it was I think it was only like a seven, six yard touchdown reception, but um, it was good. Nevertheless, um, another thing would just be. Uh, yes, watching Cam Taylor Britt's gaffed punt. One of the most frustrating things in the world, and I could, you know, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, but if the ball hits the ground and it's rolling towards you, it's always a good good idea to just step out of the way because you don't know what that hand egg is going to do. It's an oddly shaped ball. It could roll right into your bed basket or it could bounce up and hit you in the face and then you look like a big dumb idiot uh, trying to find the ball. Right. So, but... Luckily, they didn't. Uh, Fordham wasn't able to capitalize on that mistake that Cam Taylor Britt made. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, if we, if yeah, if Oliver Martin wasn't injured, I would be curious to see what what presence he would have had in this game and uh, being the uh, punt returner if he was able to do anything. Um, to go back just to the overall. Uh, just narrative of the game. I was not particularly impressed with our special teams, specifically on kickoff returns and punt returns, just in general. Uh, I, yep. I, 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 we need a, just a strictly special teams coach because watching their inability to block and make holes or be where they're supposed to be in order for our uh, punt returners and kick returners to find lanes. It was just embarrassing to watch. Um, it's once again it's against Fordham so we kind of were able to get get a free um lack of like it just there weren't very many mistakes that were to be made but man you play against any division a division one FBS team and it's gonna look way worse so I'm still worried about that um because it you didn't you didn't uh you didn't cap off the fourth quarter yet did you no I just did the third okay I just did the third what um, are you gonna say? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I agree with you as far as special teams is concerned. I heard this on. I can't remember if it was Pick Six or, or who it was, but somebody made the point that maybe what needs to happen, especially on kickoffs, is just signal for a fair catch. Whether it's in the end zone, if you catch it in the end zone, you just take the touchback. If it's outside the end zone, signal for a fair catch. Because guess what? You get it on the twenty-five. Yes. Why start at the 18 or the 20 if that's as far as your guys can block for you when you can start on the freaking 25, which increases your percentages of scoring by 10, 15 percent? It does. So in my mind, just wave your freaking hand, you know, just just fair catch it for God's sakes. But anyway, 
uh, now that we're done being pissed, let's move on to the fourth quarter where we put on another 14 points. Nebraska was quite efficient at this point in the game. Uh, Morrison came in in the fourth quarter to take over running back duties. He had a nice run inside the ten, into to inside the ten, and then he t- scored his second touchdown. So it was forty-five to seven. And you at this point, the second team offensive line was in there, and they were opening up just the same size holes that Step and company were able to run through run through in the first half. So clearly, Fordham was beaten down. But also, I think our second string line is pretty good. Um, then the second team defense was in and Kalarovic made a heck of a tackle in space on third down so it was a three and out and you got the ball back and I wondered to myself will Harburg come in now or is it going to be Smothers again well it was Smothers uh took a big hit on the sideline and hopped right up on a running play and then throws a freaking nice pass downfield to Betts for 30 yards and then he fumbles on an option play where he turned his back to the defender getting ready to tackle him and literally just hit him so hard, knocked the ball out of there. Uh, it would have been a nice play, though. Like, if he would have just taken the dive, like, yeah. it would have looked clean. If he would have just ducked under the guy, he would have had seven, eight yards. So <laughs> I could just um, see, I could see, like, the... Uh the attempt to have that high school glory. Cause if you watch Logan Smothers mm-hmm. highlights from high school, he was able to do those. He did a lot of spinning moves. He did a lot yep. of spinning moves and was able to get around defenders that way. So I think that that yep. might've just been a muscle memory kind of action and he'll learn, he'll learn yep. from that. I don't think he'll do that again, yep. but yeah, that's just kind of one of those sure. things I noticed. And then once the black shirts got back on, uh, back in the Fordham had a couple of decent plays and then they got called for holding. Uh, Malga Clements was in at that point and made a nice shoestring tackle on another play. Uh, and he was in on three straight tackles at that point. Two runs, one in pass coverage, and then um, they punted. And Marvin Scott comes in. Logan showed some really good acceleration up the sidelines. Scott ran really hard on a few plays. Uh, pass interference was not called on a throw to Betts when it probably should have been. Um then our man, the dude we loved from the spring game, the uh, comes into the game and bulls his way up the middle for nine yards, carrying good. like three dudes on his back for the first for the last six yards of the run. Uh, and he's just a bull. Uh, he had three straight runs, averaged about five or six yards a carry. It was pretty impressive. And uh, then then another great throw to Brown by Logan, but it was just far enough outside that his foot hits the inside of the pylon, but landed out of bounds. So technically he was out of bounds, even though most of the time you hit the pylon, they say you've scored. But when he left his feet, that's the rule. Once you leave your feet, you have to land in bounds um, unless you're inside the one or something like that. I can't remember what the rule is. But anyway, uh, Yant went on fourth down. They gave it to him and it was too easy to convert that. Then we get our only only our second penalty of the game on a false start by a backup offensive lineman. Uh, Fordham's Greenhagen was all over the freaking oh, field. Oh, he was everywhere. He gets his 29th tackle. 29th tackle on Scott. The closest guy in tackles to Greenhagen was like a dude with like 11. I mean, he just, he had a heck of a game. Uh, and then he gets his 30th tackle on the very next play on Marvin Scott, who could have scored. Uh, and then Greenhagen goes out to the sidelines, and the very next play, Scott scores. So I'm sure he was standing on the sidelines going, shoot, I should have stayed in. 
<laughs> and that was the sixth rushing touchdown by NU, 52-7, to which would end up being the final score. There was a big run on first down when the Blackshirts went back, or the second stream, string defense went back out there. And then Malga Clements made a really good open field tackle and uh, stopped them short on fourth down. Masker goes in to uh, hand the ball off to Cooper Jewett, who was the 10th ball carrier in the game for NU, and that ended it. So um, that's pretty much it. Do you have any other notes on the fourth quarter that you can hop in real quick? Nope, I just wanted to to piggyback onto your mention of bets who should have gotten a defensive pass interference call on that Smothers pass to him. Um, And one of the things that I noticed in regard to that was just the lack of officiating, which was good because they allowed us to play a game, but there was a lot of defensive holding on Fordham's Mm -hmm. side of the ball that I noticed um, just in the highlights, like not even watching the whole game. In the highlight reel, I was watching – plenty of offensive holding and uh it was just like why why aren't we calling this exactly because there was quite a few times that Caleb Tanner and Feldarius Payne were getting the edge and and uh their their offensive line was basically holding on to our arms the whole time and it wasn't getting called now or you see them with their with their arm up around their chest like this like the rock about ready to deliver a rock bottom and they don't call hold on that you know that's just <laughs> We've yeah. seen that for years against our defensive ends, though. So Yeah, but at the same time, I, I, I could understand the refing bias, just not even against Nebraska, just giving an FCS opponent a little bit more room to play. Um, if that, I if I were to give, that's them, what I was about to say. Yeah. You know, like if, if you're, if you're a ref watching this game, you know that they don't really stand a chance. So letting them just play a, a, a game and letting them get every opportunity that they can, I, I could see them doing that. But at the same time, it's still your job. You will, you as a ref, I know for a fact, you will do your damn job when Nebraska is playing a game against a formidable opponent, but God forbid they they do something against an FCS opponent, but that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all I had um, to say about that. But um, yeah, there was watching Smothers watching Smothers as our quarterback was an interesting uh, dichotomy against uh, Martinez. If you compare the both, compare them both. Martinez is notorious for overthrowing, and one thing that I've noticed about Smothers is he underthrows a lot of his receivers. Um, but yeah. once again, you know game jitters being the second string um he just needs to find a groove but yeah like you said first live bullets yeah like you said we saw a total of eight running backs take snaps with a total of uh 10 rushers on our offense um with a total of six rushing touchdowns uh i mean even though it was the fourth quarter and once again it's against an fcs opponent i like the way yant looked uh he could be our trucker he could be our tank whatever you want to call him. And yeah. So I'd say put him in there anytime we're inside the five yard line. (laughs) Yes. And one, he's going to pull his way in there. You know, one of the guys on our receiving core that I very much enjoyed watching was Austin Allen. Like you mentioned earlier, he had four receptions for 61 total yards and every single one of those receptions, he looked Mm -hmm. incredibly physical and really quick, really quick on his feet. Um, Samari Torre, if I were to compare him to anybody that I've seen in the last half decade, he's very reminiscent of Stanley Morgan Jr. 
and but is playing a position that like a uh uh yeah like a duck r guy would be playing um and yeah smothers looked good aside from his fumble which would have been a great run like i said martinez looked okay his his passing skills just they just still look bad um i just besides a few good things he did there were just still some things that were concerning uh you should you should have a good mental game against an fcs opponent and there were just still some of those mental mistakes or overthrowing or bad decision making there were plenty of times that i could see that we had we had guys open way downfield and he decided to make the short pass which i like that chess not checkers but if you have any game where you can practice your bomb skills down down the uh down the sidelines it would be against fordham so you know give or take give or take what do you want do you want a good passing game regardless or do you want to see martinez's ability to hit guys downfield well i just appreciated the fact that we had a balanced offense and i i also i agree with you when you got into about the first four to five minutes of the second quarter i think you saw martinez settle down yes. because he knew he had a running back in there that was probably going to go for 100 yards that was probably going to take a good bit of the offensive load off of T- martinez's shoulders so I think he settled down quite a bit. I mean, he threw for 254 yards. Um, we had 329 rush yards total as a team and 304 passing yards total. So 633 yards as a team 95 on 95 plays. Really well balanced. Yep. 6.7 yards per play is what we averaged. You're going to win a lot of football games if you can do that. I get it. It was against Fordham, but we needed to do that. We needed to know that we could do that, in spite of the fact that it was Fordham. Um, as I said, Martinez was 17 of 23 for 254, so that's a pretty doggone good completion percentage, right up in that 70% range. Uh, Torre caught eight balls for 133. Allen, four for 61. Manning, three for 54, which is a damn good average for three catches. Yes. Uh, Betts got one for 30. Brown had one for 11 with that sick freaking move that made those two DBs look stupid. Uh, Brewington had two catches, and one of them was a touchdown, and then Falk had one for eight yards. So uh, we did end up with four fumbles, but only lost two of them. But we won the turnover game. We won it three to two, so we got a net of one turnover more than they did. Time of possession was 36 minutes and 21 seconds compared to Fordham's 23-39. They only managed, in spite of how sketchy it looked in the first half because it seemed like they could just come up with yards anytime they wanted to they only ended up with 292 total yards on 58 plays they did average five yards per play and about 4.6 yards per rush which bugs me a little bit i'm hoping that rush defense figures it out before we get to oklahoma or life could get really shitty. yes <laughs> so and they had 129 yards on the ground and 163 yards through the air. They only gave up one touchdown while getting two, three interceptions. Okay, the only other uh, mention I have about the game before I want to roll into just one little topic, which is going to be explosive plays. But first, I just wanted to to ask you, We I didn't see Tyreek Johnson in the game. I don't know if he was or not. I didn't either. Um, is if he was in the game, that's good because that means that he had his receivers locked down. If he wasn't, where was he? 
Um, I was kind of, I didn't notice. Yeah. I, I was kind of paying attention cause I saw Cam Taylor Britt and I saw Quentin Newsome and, and whatnot, but, um, I didn't see Tyreek Johnson. And, but if he was in the game, I, I guess he was doing his job. Q was in, <laughs> Q was in with the number ones almost the entire game as best as I could tell. Newsom was in there and then Braxton Clark came in once we got into, uh, the number twos on both offense and defense. Hmm. So, um, and I think Clark came in for a couple of plays when the number ones were out there, but it was mostly Newsom. So, uh, but yeah, I didn't see Tyreek out there. Maybe he was out there for some nickel packages. I don't know. I didn't really, as I said, when we were taught, when we were talking on the phone at halftime, my data was spotty as it was. So sometimes it would pause and, you know, glitch out for like three or four minutes at a time. And by the time I'd come back on, you know, we're four minutes, you know, a couple minutes ahead in the game. So I may have missed it, missed something that happened. Um, just a couple of mis- miscellaneous notes. And I know you want to talk about the lack of explosive plays. Um, the notes that I think are notable from the game. is the fact that Nebraska only had two penalties for 10 yards. And one of them was from a backup offensive lineman, Brock Bando. So that was pretty cool. Also, as I said earlier in the show, uh, Cam Taylor Britt never fielded another punt after his screw up in the in the second quarter. Martin was injured, so Brody Belt handled that, and he basically fair did a fair catch for the rest of the game. I thought the defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators adjusted well after the sputtering start. Um, they they adjusted well, and Martinez and the offensive linemen got into each other's grills and made sure that the running game got going. And then I thought Malga Clements stood out at the backup inside linebacker spot um, with his four or five tackles there in the third and fourth quarters. So nice. I think the future is bright for that young man. And uh, Adrian, in his post-game interview, I don't know if you heard it. No. But he damn near said, played our balls off in the post-game sideline interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we came out and we played our b- Oh, wait, that would have been bad. That's bad. That's bad. We played our tails off is what he told the girl. It was really funny. Oh, I, I did sitting not there see laughing that. so hard. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah, I've got it. I've got it saved on the cloud on, on YouTube TV because I always make sure all the Husker games are saved on there so I can watch them again. But yeah, that, that was funny. I, <laughs> that was really, really funny. So, but he's been saying that in, in media press conferences and stuff like that. Uh, when he's been interviewed by the Nebraska media. So I think he kind of got comfortable saying that, and then he forgot he was on live <laughs> live television, TV, so, yeah. On the BTN. Like, yeah, it was pretty funny. Got to catch myself. <laughs> so, But uh, I know you were you had something in mind for explosive plays. Yeah. And uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about that? So one of the biggest concerns I had about this game in particular was the lack of explosive plays that we had. We had plenty of plays that were 20, 25 yards, 30, 31 yards, etc. But I was very disappointed to not see at least one explosive play for a touchdown. You know, even if it was a 25, 30 yard run for a touchdown specifically, I was just very disappointed that we didn't see any explosive plays. And that just concerns me moving forward for the rest of the season, because if we can't generate explosive plays that are 25, 35 yards, at least one or two of them a game, 
that's something that concerns me because we can look damn good and have over 600 yards of total offense against Fordham, but does that translate in any other context? And I don't think so. And what would have made me feel a little bit more comfortable with that transitional context would have been an explosive play for a touchdown. Um, that's just one of those things that I I would say is the most concerning thing about the game. There were a few things that I didn't like, specifically about our offensive and defensive lines that I would have liked to see better and our secondary and our uh, linebacker core uh, having better coverage. But that's one of the main things on our offense Aside from everything else, uh, I would say is the highlight of what I'm concerned about, which is our explosive play generation. What do you think, Dad? Yeah, I I agree with you because this offense is is pretty much designed to hit some home runs here and there, and we haven't hit hit any uh, for quite a while, really. Yeah. Um, other than the 75 yard run against Illinois by Martinez, which was basically a broken play, there really hasn't been much else, and I think that was kind of on purpose in this game. I'm not sure if we have a home run hitter at running back. I think we could in somebody like Ramirez just because he's so stinking fast. But other than that, maybe they've changed their philosophy a little bit and they're not really looking for the home run play anymore and they oh, want yeah. to play a little bit more ball control offense simply for the sake of not getting their asses handed to them in games against teams like Michigan, Ohio State, and games like that. So Fair um, point. we'll see. We'll see what happens as we go. Uh, the fact that we covered the spread for the first time and for freaking ever and scored 52 points in a home game since what? Illinois 2018. I oh. think it was the last time we scored 50 points. Yeah, yeah, cuz um, cuz we so scored fi- we, that's good. Yeah, you said home game. Yeah, cuz I think the other time we scored 50 points was at Maryland. Um the following yep. year. But yeah, I think, yeah, that, that would have been the last yep. time we, we scored that many. Cause yeah, Northern Illinois would have, I think that was like 48 or 49 points that, that uh, 2019 season. But yeah, yeah, that's the first time we've seen 50 plus points in, a, in quite a while. Yep. And I'm glad for it. It was good to see. It gives, it's gives the offense some credit or some, um, some confidence and Hey, 14 of those points were generated by the second teamers so that's good too to know that those guys can get it done if they need to in in uh at the end of a game to close it out and it seemed like you know nebraska was not backing off on scoring points even when the number two was in there so that was good so that pretty much wraps up the fordham game big old 52 to 7 win a lot of young kids who had never seen nebraska play before got to be there to watch that which as i said at the beginning is really really cool so i suppose we should talk about the old bulls from buffalo shouldn't we yep yep let's rock and roll with that so next week buffalo rolls into lincoln and hopefully this will not be as stout a test as it could have been with lance leopold still there as their coach but instead they've got a new coach and i know you kind of did a little bit of a dive into the the new coaching staff what do you've got for me for that yes so their new head coach is maurice linguist if i'm pronouncing that correctly who was previously 
at the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive backs coach. And to give a little bit more context to that, he is a defensive coach by trait with previous experience at Texas A&M as their cornerbacks coach, Minnesota as their defensive backs coach, Mississippi State as their safeties coach, Iowa State as their defensive backs coach, and then in 2013, he was also at Buffalo as their defensive backs coach. Um, So if they do have any strength that we could foresee going into this game next week, it would definitely be in their defensive backs room. Um, This is his first head coaching job, obviously, and they had a formidable game against, uh, shoot, who did they? I just, Wagner. They just played Wagner and stomped (laughs) them. Huge opponent, yeah. Yeah, huge opponent. I mean, if anybody is in the Marine Corps, uh, you guys will get this reference, but Wagner loves the cock. Um, I'll just leave it as that. Leave it at that. I think but, it's um, funny whether I get it or not. That's funny. Oh yeah, it was written. <laughs> it was written in every single Portageon. Every single Portageon oh, wow. in the Marine Corps. You were there was like a ninety-five percent chance that you would see Wagner loves cock just written into the uh, <laughs> written into the Portageon. Don't know who Wagner was, but if you were in the Marine Corps and your name was Wagner, you were just fucked. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. literally because Wagner likes that so I suppose so but <laughs> yeah just that's that's just kind of the brief overview of their new head coach which yeah as we discussed previously in our season preview uh, Lance Leopold is out of there and I think it's like 20 something of his players left with him or just transferred yeah. out altogether so they don't we don't really know and even though they played against Wagner and like they like I said they steamrolled him 69 to 7 nice um we really don't know what we're going to we really don't know what we're going to what we're going to run into and when, when they come to Lincoln um yep it's going to be another situation kind of like Illinois cuz you don't know for sure what they're going to do and here's hoping we don't have to scrap half our dang playbook on offense just because they come out in the front we're not used to. God, that freaking excuse bugged the shit out of me. Um, Dude, that was just dumb. <laughs> yes, it was. It seems like Scott Frost suffers from foot and mouth disease, especially when it comes to uh, ex- uh, explaining why things went the way they went in a game that didn't go like we had planned. Yep. So... Um, as far as Buffalo on my end of the spectrum is concerned, I appreciate you looking into the coach and looking into his staff and what they hopefully will plan to do. I just looked back at 2020 was only seven games. They won six and lost one. And that included the bowl games. They basically played only six regular season games and they finished ranked 25th in the final AP poll. Their total offense for the year was uh, in passing, they uh, completed 96 of 154 passes, which is right at 62% completion rate for 1,326 yards over okay. seven games. That's not bad. That's, uh, that's they rushed, damn good. Yeah, it's rushing that scares me, with especially the fact that we just gave up 206 freaking, you know, or uh, 4.6 yards per carry against uh, Fordham. Uh, they ran 301 times for 2,009 yards for a total of 32 touchdowns. Oh, and they passed for seven TDs and three interceptions. Now, I don't know if those players that transferred to Can- Kansas are part of the people that generated this kind of passing and off and rushing. I did not look that up. I was just looking at raw numbers to kind of get an idea. Uh, they did score a total of 298 points per game, 
or per game. Good God, two hundred ninety-eight total points <laughs> over seven games. Yeah, uh, and then which worked out to about forty-two point five points per game in two thousand twenty. They gave up fourteen hundred and twenty one passing yards which was more than what they actually generated so their defense was a little hmm. they gave up eight tds they gave up 944 yards rushing for 10 tds but of course they're in in the mac which tends to be more pass happy than run happy uh, but apparently that rushing defense is pretty good uh, at least it was last year and if they lost 20 some odd guys to kansas that went with leopold over to kansas then maybe depending on what we see when we get out there on saturday maybe we can hang another 40 points on somebody uh, but they scored a total of 122 points which worked out to be about 17 and a half or or no they gave up 122 points total so they gave up a total of 17 and a half per game so uh yeah might be a fairly decent test to get us ready for oklahoma i hope so this should be a game where we put no less than 42 points on the board should be now, that's what I thought we were going to do against Illinois, too. We saw what happened there. So we will see. It depends also on who starts at running back. I mean, really, who starts at running back on Saturday? Do they give Gabe Irvin the dang ball again after he only generated 16 yards rushing against freaking Fordham? He looked like a freshman. He didn't look like a starter. He just looked like a freshman. Six rushes, 17 yards. 10 dudes carried the ball, step 18 for 101, Smothers 4 for 36, Torre 3 for 35, and a TD, Martinez 8 for 33, which to me is in the pocket for Adrian Martinez. You don't want him rushing for much more than 50 yards a game. A couple TDs is great, but if he doesn't rush the ball much more than eight times, I think he stays healthy. Uh, Morrison 9 for 31, Scott 6 for 30, Yant 5 for 25, which were kick-ass runs in my opinion. <laughs> all of them uh they johnson were just, they were just truck plays just yeah trucking. and johnson wasn't bad he averaged four yards of play at five no, rushes yeah for he 22. made a few good cuts he so made a few good cuts um, and good decisions yep yep so if we can get that kind of performance from the guys that are lined up behind martinez and if it starts out with step i think he presents a problem for a fairly small buffalo defense i don't think they're all that big on the defensive line and he's a big kid at 230 yards 230 yards 230 pounds and he can run about a four five and a half to four six forty so he's got enough juice to get down the sidelines if he gets through to the second level so yeah that's what i've got for beefalo <laughs> where where you know buffalo's well known for their wings which you know I wouldn't mind having some wings. It's been a while. So, uh, I had some wings the other night, they were pretty good. You did? Oh, God, that sounds so good right now. But, you know, yeah, I, I like had... air fryer wings. Air fryer wings are just un, undefeated. I do like, yes. a, I do like a gar, like a honey garlic rub with some old bay and then some mm-hmm. umami. And then, is that like, uh, are we like fun facting right now? No, I just, you just got me on buffalo wings, big dog. Good. <laughs> We've done that before, too. We've done the air fryer wings, rub them with a little olive oil, Old Bay, salt, and cracked black pepper. It's so good. It is. So, but, so, so, so good. Yeah, to get um, back on track here, 
Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So with Buffalo, um, one of the things that you did mention was their running back room. And one of the one of my cause for concern, well, ultimately, both their running backs and their wide receiving core was pretty well pretty well distributed for this game um when they they actually had more rushing yards they had 312 total rushing yards against uh wagner with three or sorry four different running backs uh taking the majority of those rushing yards and divvied up well pretty evenly their top running back was something i i only have their first initials so i'm not going to try and figure out what their names are but last name cook he got uh 94 rushing yards marks got 72 rushing yards washington got 65 rushing yards and ahmed got 51 rushing yards with four touchdowns split between this the four of them and had pretty substantial gains once again it's against wagner but then again i think that their running back room did substantially better than our running back room did and more evenly dispersed amongst Buffalo's uh, running back core. So that is cause for concern for me. Um, Yeah, they had, like I said, 312 total rushing yards between 56 attempts with a 5.6 yard average per carry. Um, And then within their receiving room, they had 257 yards uh, dispersed amongst their wide receivers with two uh, passing touchdowns. And so, yeah, their their offense could be pretty productive if we're not careful. And their quarterback, Van Trees, was 15 for 19, and their time of possession was pretty much equal to what we had, 35 minutes to 25 minutes uh, dispersed between the two teams. And they only allowed 97 yards of total defense against Wagner. So once again, I will say this a million times. It was just Wagner, but they did score 38 points in the first half. And yeah, I would say what I'm concerned about is their running back core. If our, if our defensive line can't seem to generate a substantial amount of hole closing and pressure, it's it could be a doozy for us. I, I I am actually fearful for that. I don't know what we'll look like. Um, I don't know about their offensive line. Their offensive line looked pretty big in the highlight reel that I was watching, but for the 18th time, it was against Wagner. I don't know how big their <laughs> defensive line actually is. Their guys could have been 238 pounds. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's just kind of my overall views oh and one other fun fact they generated zero turnovers none okay they didn't make any turnover mistakes in that game um so that their offense didn't turn the ball over or they didn't get one from wagner they didn't turn the ball over at all okay yes so alrighty um, that's that's just kind of what i'm seeing but um yeah if we're looking so, forward to if we're looking at it we can uh, we can look at the money line right now. It looks like they have a fifty-two point over under between Buffalo and Nebraska with a twelve point spread. Uh, so they're predicting us to. That might be a little high. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a little bit high. Twelve point spread. That yeah. I don't. 
I don't know about us beating them by almost two touchdowns. I don't know about that. But yeah, do you have any other thoughts about it? I agree. I agree. I suppose we should uh, talk about the score. Maybe. Yeah. What do we think we could do against this team? Uh, okay. So, yeah, I'll start. So if we can get a good running game, and I agree with you, uh, I think that Gabe Irvin is not the starter. I If if he comes out as the starter, that's going to be another cause for concern for coaching. I just don't. I don't know why they get they get stuck in these stupid patterns of trying to make something work. They're trying to fit a square block in a round hole. Like put Marquis Step. Marquis Step has earned the yep. starter spot as far as I'm concerned. So if we can get a good running game generated and then we can get a few play action passes in there, I think that we can hang at least thirty on them. Mm-hmm. And if our defensive group can actually, you know, show up. That would be nice. Um, maybe maybe get a few turnovers. That would be really awesome. And uh, altogether, I think that Nebraska wins. And by about 10 points, I am predicting that Nebraska wins 31-21. to 21. And that covers the over-under, or that's, that's right at where the over-under was, which I didn't realize that until now. So I guess I'm right there on that over-under. Um, and that's that's pretty much You're it. Because it's what, 55 or 52? 52. What, did you say it was 55 or 50? 52. 52. You're right at it. Yeah, you, you're pushing. Yep. You're not guessing an over-under. You're, you're pushing. Yep. So, uh, you know what? I'm kind of right there with you, though I don't have quite as much faith in the defense as you do. Um, I, I thought their struggle to figure out how to stop Fordham took too f-ing long on Saturday. Oh yeah. Way too long. And I think Buffalo, granted, it's a brand new staff. I get that. I get that. But if a brand new staff at Illinois with players that technically aren't nearly as talented as Nebraska's players could do what they did, I have a hard time believing that uh, we're going to suddenly figure out how to hold Buffalo to under 17 points. So, but if Marquis Step runs out there and knocks out another hundred yards, I could see us easily scoring five touchdowns. Uh, so I have us winning, but only by seven. I've got us at thirty-five to twenty-eight. Fair, yeah. I'm I'm putting a lot of faith in our defense. Um, honestly, I I would say that it would. It's probably a more accurate prediction to assume thirty-one to twenty-four because um, I I don't see us shutting them out when it comes to field goals. But I'll just stick with it. I wrote it down, and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lean into that. And yeah, I hope that we play a good game, man. I hope that we play a good game. I hope that we play clean. If we can stay under, if we can stay under four penalties, that would be awesome. And generate turnovers. Play a clean game. Uh, tell CTB he's not fielding punts this week. That would be cool. Yeah, and I haven't looked up. I, I meant to do this before we before we uh, started recording, but I hope that Oliver Martin's doing okay. I, w- I hope he's just a little bit dinged up and just wanted to take a rest. can't remember if it's like a hamstring. It's something. It's a leg injury, soft tissue, something like that, that they just held him out because it's Fordham. And they felt that it was more important to make sure he's healthy for Buffalo and then going into Oklahoma than it was for him to be out there. So... Um, and I really hope I. It still boggles my mind that Omar Manning is not a starting wide receiver. Yeah, I get it. 
he's not there at practice or he's not doing well in practice. Maybe he's a gamer. Maybe he's not a practice player. Maybe he's a gamer. And you've got to throw him out there because, hell, every time he touched the ball, it was for at least 15 yards on Saturday. So, um, anyway, I'm hoping we see a lot more of Omar. And especially once we go into OU, that we see a lot more of those playmakers like Omar and Xavier Betts out on the field. Quick question for you, Dad. Um, I I noticed that we skipped over our players of the game for the Fordham game. Did we want to still go over that, or do we just want to chalk that off? You know what? Let's do that real quick. We're already at an hour, so... Might as well. <laughs> we might as well. Yeah, uh, for me, or why don't you go ahead? You you. I always start these things off, so why don't you give me your players of the game on offense and defense? All right, thank you. Um, yes, so my two players of the game would be Samari Torre on the offense with, yes, eight receptions for 133 yards, zero touchdowns receiving, but he made that up with three carries for 35 yards and one touchdown there. I just, like I said earlier, I love Samari Torre. I think he's a formidable player, and he looks a lot like Stanley Morgan Jr., but I think he has uh, possibly a higher ceiling. I hope that he can – I know he's only here for one season, but I hope that he can somehow make it to the NFL draft. Like, that would just be super awesome. Um, and then on the defense, on the defensive side, I put Quentin Newsom down as the defensive player of the game. I mean, ultimately, if you look at our defense, all of the stats are so evenly spread out amongst our entire defense. It, yeah, was, it was it was a good defensive performance. Yes, everybody was where they needed to be. Um, so having Quinton Newsom as my player of the game is simply because he had a total of five tackles. Three of them were solo. One was a sack and one was a tackle for loss. That's pretty much it. He looked good. He locked down his receivers and... Yeah. That's what's important. So those are my two players of the game. What about you? Well, I've got two different ones, uh, just simply because I thought I thought Marquis Stepp's performance and the fact that he was able to generate 100 yards from the line of scrimmage as a runner took a lot of pressure off of Martinez. Because uh, we've seen this script over and over and over again. If you don't have a dude that can run for 100 yards, Martinez seems to think he's got to carry the entire load on his shoulders. And uh, he didn't have to. You know, he only had to rush for 33 yards. Yeah. Uh, and two of those rushes were for touchdowns. Why? Because somebody else behind him was effective enough that uh, Fordham didn't know what to do when he actually kept the ball. So Marquis Step is my, is my, even though he didn't score, but he threw 100 yards up on the on the board. And uh, Deontay Williams with his two interceptions at key moments in the game because Fordham was driving both times he intercepted the ball. And it just completely... Sh- and then once he got the second one, Fordham didn't do a whole lot of anything else after that. So uh, those are my two players of the game for offense and defense. And you know what? We need to turn the page from... Fordham and Buffalo, and we need to talk about plus minus because actually we've got some points to talk about now. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, it's time to play the plus minus game. Though at this point in the season, the only people playing the plus minus game is Scott and me. And that sucks. So y'all need to go to facebook.com 
slash genredpod and find the plus minus game for Buffalo. Scott and I are tied at one point apiece because, um, yeah, I got a point. Scott got a point in the in the uh, Fordham game. Let's see what was the what was the plus minus for Fordham. Oh shoot, that's a good question. <laughs> I can't remember, but we both got a point. That's all I know. That's all I know. Um, oh, two. Didn't you say that? Oh yeah, you said Adrian Martinez would generate two turnovers. He did none. I called the under, so I got a point. And then I said that Nebraska was going to score 35 points in the first half, plus or minus, and you guessed the under, which gave you a point. So we're tied at one. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> so uh, the plus minus for this week for the Buffalo game, what is your plus minus? My plus minus is going to be across our entire offense as a uh, shout or as a reach back to my discussion about explosive plays. What I want to see this game and what I'm interested to see are two plays for 30 plus yard gains. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a touchdown or anything. I just want to see our, our offense make two explosive plays for 30 plus yards. And if I'm thinking about over under, I'm actually thinking over that. I'm thinking we could we could generate three. You think we're going to do more than two plays? Oh, okay. Yes, that's my guess. My guess is that we do even better. Um, don't know how. Maybe our running back room actually does something. Does something exciting. That's what I'm hoping for. But I'm just going to risk it for the biscuit here and and think that we do an over for thirty plus yard gains. I hear you because I think, and in, in some ways, I think Nebraska held some stuff back against uh, against Fordham that they may throw out there against uh, Buffalo. So um, you're going over, so I can't go over because that's the rules of the game. Though the people that can play with us at facebook.com slash genredpod can guess anything they want to guess. They don't have to guess over if we guess under or whatever. They can just guess whatever. Um, I am going to guess two. I'm going to go with the number. Two 30-plus yard plays against Buffalo. My over-under is two passing TDs by Martinez. Over or under. And I am going to guess over. I think Martinez throws three touchdowns. Hmm. What do you think? I want to say that two sounds about right for the game. But just because I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> spicy, I'm going to say under. I think that we'll have another running back performance in the red zone. And, oh, man. Yeah. You know, contradicting myself here. It's with, hard to uh, get with three. <laughs> you you really want to guess the number, well, don't you? Well, <laughs> I was just thinking about with three. My predicted three uh, plays for thirty plus yards. That uh, presumably one of those would be a passing play, possibly for a touchdown. So uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play spicy here and say under only one, only one TD. You think the running backs are going to generate? two long touchdowns or Martinez is going to have at least one, right? 
Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Martinez does kind of okay. what he did with uh, Illinois, where he reads the defensive back and safety core, sees a hole, and just takes off. Because um, we didn't really see that happen against Fordham. Yep. Um, so I just think that he might be able to yeah. do that this time, just based off of my intuition. Woohoo! And that, that means we're almost done, people. Uh, fun fact for me is the fact that my new black Peterbilt 579 Ultraloft is named black shirt that's all i've got that's my fun fact i named my peterbilt black shirt what's yours yeah so a fun fact about me as i had previously stated in uh episode two if you guys want to go back and and just check out kind of fun just general knowledge about me and my dad i had mentioned in there that i was a generator mechanic in the marine corps but i figured i would take just a few more minutes within my fun facts section today to just kind of uh tell a little bit more about that job so there's a generator mechanic but the name of my actual mos was a little bit different it wasn't just generator mechanic it was something like electrical equipment systems technician or some weird nomenclature like that and essentially, I didn't actually repair generators. The unit that I got stuck at, uh, we didn't actually perform large repair jobs. We mostly just did preventative maintenance. But with that came a lot of fun stories that <laughs> that we would always find ourselves uh, acquiring while I was there. Um, yeah, for the most part, my job was to just maintain generators' efficiencies and plan field ops. As I got promoted, that was mostly what I did was just plan for field ops and get power plans written up and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. I got to work with a, uh, air conditioning mechanics, so I got to cross-train with them. That's actually where I got a little bit of the uh, air conditioning experience that I have now, I kind of, that kind of laid down the groundwork for it. And then I worked with electricians. And so I kind of learned how to, uh, how to set up power plans and, uh, step power down in a correct manner and blah, 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 blah. Um, it was, it was overall a really great, great experience, uh, laid down the, like I said, laid down the groundwork, uh, for, for my career to put me in the position that I am now, which, I am a maintenance technician for an apartment complex. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I'll save I'll save some more stories for down the road, maybe in the off season of a few uh, funny little stories that I have when I was <laughs> when I was a generator mechanic, um, specifically with my buddy Lara. Um, he's one of my best friends in the Marine Corps, and he and I still hang out to this day. Whenever I get the chance to go down to Missouri or whenever he can make his way up to Nebraska. For your wedding. So, yeah. Yes, for my wedding. Uh, I just went down there. F I went down there for a holiday. Um, was it 4th of July? It was. It was 4th of July. I couldn't remember if it was Memorial Day or 4th of July, but I went over there for 4th of July. And we shot off a bunch of fireworks, made a bunch of food. It was a good time. So, yeah, generator mechanic. Uh, I feel like I had more to say to that, but um, I guess not. So uh, it's all good. That's that, I guess. So fun. Much fun. Very facts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. Um, we thank you for listening to this podcast today. Uh, Scott and I appreciate all the people who have downloaded our podcast over the last month because we've had more podcasts downloaded in August than we had from May through July. And you guys are why. So thank you. We appreciate you. So um, for Scott and me, we're Generation Red, and we appreciate you guys. And uh, Iowa's corn sucks. It does. And there's no place like Nebraska. And yeah, go Big Red. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. Go Big Red.